hello and welcome to episode 83 of the 1099 for the week of March 13th, 2017. I am your host as always, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the head of video for Giant Bomb and the host of the biggest podcast in the entire universe, the Giant Beastcast, Vinny Caravella. Vinny, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I've wanted to have you on for a while. I had um, Alex Navarro on, and I've had this weird like cavalcade of random people who have been on Giant Bomb a lot, such as Will Smith. So I was like, <laughs> I really want to talk to Vinny one day. Uh, and I know you've been back for a bit, but how's New York been? You were out in California for so long where it's always like 80 degrees and sunny, and now you're back in <laughs> snow and winter. I mean, were you prepared and acclimated and ready to bring you and your entire family back over to New York? Uh, yeah, totally. Like, you know, there were a lot of factors that went into me moving back here. Uh, you know, there was the work part and there's the not work part, the life part, but coming back, it has been great. I, you know, I wanted to raise my kids around my family and pretty much all of my family is in New York and that makes it pretty easy to, you know, for birthdays and parties and all that stuff. But, you know, there was also the work part of it, and I think uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for what we're doing with work here, and I could not be happier to not have lonely birthday parties for my kids. I think we did, like, our <laughs> son's first birthday party with my wife and I and, like, a cupcake uh, and, uh, <laughs> like, one candle in it, and we said, we, we got oh it. Oh, my God. That sounds so sad. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, my wife and, uh, like, with me, and, like, we're sitting there and doing the, like, Happy birthday <laughs> you know, with like one <laughs> candle. Uh, and now it's a free for all. You know, I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews and uh, it's great. Now it's great. Did you drive all the way over? We did. We drove. My wife was about seven months pregnant and with my second kid and my son was in the backseat and he was one and a half, two at the time. Me too. And, um, yeah, we did the cross country trip and it was fun and crazy and awesome. Uh, you know, I don't recommend doing it with a small child, but we did it <laughs> and you know, I, he'll not remember any of it, but we'd sure will. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of small children or people who can often be mistaken for small children, you recently added Dan Reichert to the uh, giant, <laughs> nice. to the giant pop East office. Uh, and at this point, you know, it took a while to ramp it up, but you set up for video, for podcasts, for live streams. You kind of have everything moving. But when you were in the creation process of Giant Bomb East, did you have a certain idea of like, we want to make this distinctly different from what the West Coast office has to do? Because there's probably some people who just listen to the Beast cast and ever the Bomb cast and vice versa. So did you want to make it feel like one big similar website or two distinct offices with very different philosophies on how videos and podcasts are done? It's a great question. The um so the initial pitch for this was uh well, okay. So this kind of goes back to a bigger question of how does Giant Bomb grow and expand? And uh the the initial pitch was, hey, I don't think we can dump uh more personality into this very personality-based product without diluting what we have. So I don't think we can get to a point in one office of having let's just say even six seven people that are big personalities without that starting to infringe on what the product is so how do you at some point how do you run a main podcast with six people on it right or or seven mm -hmm. big personalities without people saying oh I, you know I, I like this but i wish we saw it a little bit we even when we only had like five people i wish you know i wish patrick were on this and not this person or you know i wish this person were doing this thing and not this other person 
uh, and you want you know to be able to let all those personalities shine. So the the main pitch was okay. So we should try and silo off and start doing parallel things to have groups of you know five people, let's say four or five people, uh, running parallel, so that we can have uh, Jeff and Brad and you know uh, Dan covering this stuff while Alex and I are covering this stuff over here and. It will be different just by nature of our personalities. Since we are a personality-driven thing, uh, those will bubble up and they'll be different because we have different interests. And there is a giant bomb tone. And, you know, I think me having been over there and working with those guys and kind of developing what giant bomb is and Alex kind of having been with it was easier than starting from scratch to make sure we got that tone correct but uh we always wanted it to be uh organic and natural so i think our focus originally when i was talking to alex was like let's maybe our podcast and it didn't work out this way but maybe our (laughs) podcast is a little more um news or topic and news focused and less about what are you playing uh, maybe it's a, a little lean a little bit heavier on like what are the big issues going on and like we'll, we'll do that for like a 45 minute podcast uh, and I always grossly underestimate how chatty I can be so that turned into a, a two-hour podcast with a lot of what have you been playing it's you know best intentions right so yeah. Uh, I think we were leaning towards uh, a little more news focused and that's kind of I think where Austin slid in as well as okay this will be a little bit more you know a little bit harder news it we're never going to be a news site but uh, uh kind of those leanings did you take some inspiration from the old days of the hotspot where a lot of that felt like it was a news topic and then people would talk about that specific topic and at least like the origin point of what you're doing with the beast cast was that where it's like, Hey, you know, now Alex talk about this news story or now Jeff talk about this news story. Yeah. Like Rich Gallup, who, who, uh, taught me a lot when I, when I got over to GameSpot, um, it was a fantastic producer and he i i pretty much model a lot of what i do for the podcast around him i don't stand up during it which is something that he did but uh <laughs> really? I, I, yeah i do print out um i print out show notes and i hand them out to everybody which was a thing he totally did for the hotspot and i write down all the uh topics and you know before each show i we send around a group document like a google doc to make sure hey put whatever you want to talk about if you want to talk about something in the show and add a link so that we can all read about it or watch the video or do whatever and you bring stories to the show so that it's not just me going over what happened so that we can have an informed discussion we're talking about the things that actually matter not just in the world but to us that, that we want to bring to the table uh because i i just don't enjoy you know especially when it's a small group when it's just me or even with a three-person podcast i can't be the only one who's telling people what the news is right it has to be a discussion people have to have seen it read it or have an opinion on it and uh that was something the hotspot did which was the pretty detailed show notes this is the same thing with the emails it's um uh you know going around almost round robin to have everybody reading an email. I like participation. I like collaboration. So I want to make sure everybody's involved uh, and not tuning out. You know, I want to keep that energy up during the podcast. And that's also something I think uh, I took away from the hotspot. So thanks, Rich Gallup. (laughs) And now you have kind of these four regulars for the podcast. And when you brought Dan in, people already knew him from 
Game Informer from being at Giant Bomb West. Uh, but for Austin, it was a little bit different. I-, I was freelancing at GameSpot when he was freelancing at GameSpot. So I saw some of his reviews and was like, oh, this guy's really good. So when he got hired, I was really excited for that. But he was kind of an unknown to a lot of people. For you, how difficult is it to insert someone into this personality-based, almost family business like Giant Bomb is? I mean, people really get invested in these people. And you could tell that from you know when Drew Scanlon just left... There's these people who are like really upset because it's someone you it's like a friend you get to hear from every single week. And suddenly it's like, oh, no, like this person's not in my life anymore. So when you have, you know, Drew leaving, he needs to be replaced. Um, Dan's spot needs to be filled out west. Like, what is the process of that? How difficult is it inserting new personalities into something so personality driven? Oh, it's impossibly hard. I mean, the, the risks are uh, enormous. Uh, you know, when bringing in Austin, it's something that we, that process took a very long time. And we, we talked to a bunch of people and, you know, uh, talked internally about, you know, fit and personality. And we kind of really lucked out and there's no better way, you know, we did our due diligence, but really got lucky to have somebody like Austin be able to, uh, roll right in. And, Mm. and, you know, now the process is, uh, even compounded, it's harder now because there's no farm system anymore for this stuff. There, there's no, you know, uh, I'd say ten years ago you had places like GameSpot, IGN, One Up, all all these like places that people would come up through these bigger companies that were doing this, and that those jobs have become uh, harder and harder to get, and there are fewer and fewer of them. So we really don't. It's not like we look through a roster, right? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, that person would be great. Yeah. Uh, now you kind of have to go seek out or, um, you know, in the best case scenario, just find somebody who, new who's great that just comes in and is like, I never even heard of you. And this is awesome because with <laughs> with the kind of bigger companies scaling down and not necessarily doing what we do as much uh, and also the um, – rise of things like youtube or uh, patreon you know people are just going out and doing this stuff on their own so you know it's you know what are we offering that is better than hey just go do this on your own or uh or you know do you want to work in this industry and this industry is so when you say that today versus 10 years ago it's so different uh it's it's just not the same beast anymore so it, it gets it's hard uh and you know everybody you know, we used to say, I think Drew probably said this the most, like everybody fights at Giant Bomb. And so, you know, if you're a producer or if you're editorial or whatever those <laughs> made up <laughs> lines are, uh, you're going to be on camera at some point. Right. Or, or you know, you're probably going to be in front of the camera. And so you're going to be there's no hiding within the ranks of Giant Bomb. So everybody kind of has to fit in. And um, even in the production side, if you're off camera, if you're not gelling with the team, it's not going to work out well. Uh, and, and that can be really hard and scary. And for me over here on the East Coast, we're hiring um, what is a, uh, a kind of lower level production role. And my main criteria is you just have to gel with this team. You'll le- yeah. If you're a smart person, you will learn what you need to learn. You don't need a lot of experience for this position that uh, we're hiring for now. But man, oh man, do you have to get along with this team? Because uh, if you don't, it's just poison. And, uh, you know, it makes things hard. I've seen it before, you know, in other jobs where you just, you can't get anything done if it's not 
firing on all cylinders and we have to be so efficient here it's it's a real concern yeah that feeder system idea is interesting too because you're right where there's a lot of the bigger sites are scaling down and very often it's freelancers who write for a long time and then a spot opens up and they get really fortunate to get in there and the second they get more well-known or recognized they go to youtube they go to patreon they go to twitch i mean like Danny O'Dwyer, the the kind of funny guys, a lot of those people kind of go off on their own after they have that platform at a GameSpot or IGN. So, I mean, how long is your actual interview process? Because you're a lot at this point, like you said, looking at unknowns, looking at people who maybe haven't had the big platform yet, and you don't know how they're going to respond when they're in front of a camera, because maybe you're looking at the writing and you see that's great. Or, you know, you talk to them in person, and you're like, that's great. But how are they going to actually respond when there's thousands of people on a live stream watching them? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I guess, you know, it's a it's a kind of a double-edged sword where you I think ideally want somebody who is completely comfortable in that position, but that means that they have a bunch of experience, which means, you know, again, what are you offering? Uh why aren't, why isn't this person just off doing their own thing? Uh did something happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> did, uh are they not good enough to then make it on their own because you want somebody who's good enough? Uh so it, it's a weird thing now. Um and, uh, you know, Giant Bomb, for better or worse, and I can say that as honestly as possible, has tried to develop organically and never force anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, nobody here is a former YouTube star or anything like that, right? <laughs> it has always yeah. been like, you know, if people like you, it's because you are being who you are. You know, th- the audience tends to character uh, caricature everybody into what they want them to be, but generally it's representative of their core personality. So I, I think trying to find somebody who is just really cool yeah. <laughs> is just, you know, are you just going to be cool is a big thing. And, I, you know, different positions have different needs. Uh, and Jeff hiring out there. Uh, it might be different than what I'm hiring for out here, uh, you know. And we talk a lot about it, but he needs to find the right person that'll fit in with that group, and I need to find the right person that'll fit in with this group. And I don't think they're interchangeable, you know. Yeah. It's it's very different. Uh, they have different needs out there than we have over there, and different strengths and weaknesses than we have out here. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, and something I asked Alex when I had him on the podcast, I want to ask you too, because something I've always wondered at this point. I mean, Giant Bomb's been around, is it 2008 when it first went live? 2008, 2009, right around there? I mean, Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, like Jeff's <laughs> almost been at this site for 10 years. And you're at this point where you have thousands of people who you know watch, read, listen to Giant Bomb content daily. Usually they're visiting that site multiple times a day. It's For people like me, who's been you know a part of that community for, for so long, it's, it's comforting, it's familiar. Um, but do you ever at all, and I, I'm, I think you love your job. From what I've gathered, you love your job. Mm. But do you ever at all feel obligated to kind of keep this train going since, you know, if one person leaves, it, shake up, it shakes up the entire foundation, especially if it's, you know, a, a Brad or you or someone who's been there for so long. Do you almost feel like almost obligated to the team that we got to keep this going because one person can shake up or end the entire thing? Almost like if one leaves, the entire band breaks up. Oh, interesting. Uh, no, I definitely do not. If this, uh, if I disagreed um, at my core with what we were doing, or I felt like it was not something that, um, or if we were going in a, the wrong direction, or we were 
forced to compromise something, I I wouldn't feel obligated. I mean, these are all very talented people here. I uh, and they're my friends, and you know, whether it's here at Giant Bomb or somewhere else, or we went our separate ways, I have confidence that you know we will try and do our best outside yeah. of here. I I mean, I love Giant Bomb, but not to the point where I would sacrifice uh, uh, beyond a threshold. I mean, I give up sleep and I bleed my sweat. <laughs> Uh, but I hope I'm, and I don't mean to be up on a pedestal here, but I hope yeah. we have not had to sacrifice, uh, ideals to, just to keep this thing running. And if, uh, you know, people leave like Drew leaving or, you know, uh, it's, oh, it's been, or Austin leaving, it's always been in good faith, right? It's mm-hmm. always been, this is a, we recognize this move as the appropriate thing here. This doesn't feel, you know, even Patrick going on, it's like, this all makes sense. These yeah. things feel right. Like, you know, Austin was very good at what he was doing. Somebody else saw that and was like, hey, do you want to do your own thing over here? And was like, and so we all gave Austin our blessing. Like, dude, you got to do this. Uh, you know, Drew hit a point at which I think his growth within here uh, exceeded the the limitations of what Giant Bomb is doing. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, I don't know if we can give you what you're after here. Uh, and, you know, for him to move on, I think, is very natural uh, at this point. Like, he's been here, you know, just as long as anybody. Uh, so I, I don't think there's an obligation. There's an obligation to make it work. Yeah. And if that fails, uh, then I think we, <laughs> I think to use the word obligation again, are are obliged to not continue. And I think we've always discussed that of we will not, we would try our best not to have this thing run into the dirt. I mean, that's always <laughs> our, that's our biggest fear, right? The, uh, if this ended, it would hopefully end in a big flash. Whatever, something, something, you know, monumental and crazy would happen, and or or we'd all just be fired and laid off because we did something. <laughs> drew fired an arrow down a hallway, and we're all done. Um, but the biggest fear is that it just kind of suffocates out because you know nobody cares anymore or or just like you know runs into the dirt and slowly kind of just turns to gr- a gray mush and you know goes away that's always our biggest fear and hopefully we would be able to recognize and course correct before that happens yeah no absolutely it's is it still and again another weird question is it still as exciting for you as it was in a basement when you guys are trying to really like <laughs> put this thing together and figure out like what the hell is a quick look and what is this and what is that and should this be 15 minutes how about an hour and 40 minute long Zelda quick look now, like you still kind of have that scrappy upstart vibe because it's not, you know, th- you know, 20, 30, 40 people working at giant bomb. It's a small group. Everyone's doing a little bit, of everything, putting it together for you because it is that upstart kind of mentality and everyone's pushing in to you know, make it as great as possible. Is it still really exciting for you every day to, you know, go out and do quick looks and make sure everything Maybe it doesn't go perfectly, but gets off mm. the ground all right. I mean, make no mistake, this is a job, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there are <laughs> bad days uh, or days when it is like, oh, my goodness, like, this is tough. But it is a great job. Um, and there are a lot of challenges. And the challenges are, are very, very different now than they were um, when we first started. And in some ways, they're exactly the same because – like I like people like I enjoy working with people and my role I've always felt is to help people do the best thing they can at this job. And whether that's 
with uh, Jeff and Brad and Drew and Ryan or with Alex and Dan. I like to facilitate and be and try and bring people up to uh, enable them to do what they want to do. And so out here, that challenge, that never goes away. As yeah. long as everybody wants to do something, I'm here to help them do that. Uh, and, and Dan and Alex are great partners in that out here because they're excited. And, you know, they, you know, it's trying to solve puzzles constantly. How can we do this thing? With what we have, what is the puzzle? And how do the pieces fit? How do we make this happen? And production is just constantly solving problems. Uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, not to go too behind the scenes, but like before we started this podcast, how do I make this work? How, can you hear me? Can I hear you? Am I recording this? Is this going? Do I have enough hard drive space? Is this microphone connected the right way? How can I get an isolated? These are all problems that, I saw, you know, uh, everybody has to solve now because we're all trying to record something some way or another. Yeah, really. But like, uh, th I love that stuff. And there's the technical element to it and there's the human element to it. And man, I am not lying when I say that those will be problems forever. <laughs> you know, t technology is constantly changing and people are people. And 60 to 70% of this job is managing people and the other and let's say 25% is the t gear and then 5% is just restart the thing because <laughs> you know <laughs> cycle the cycle the router basically because you just don't know why it's not working but uh give it a kick and, and you know that I love that stuff and if I were doing this on my own I think I would be I, I don't think I would enjoy it uh I yeah. I'm I'm a collaborator I really really enjoy when people are excited and uh, doing the thing they want to do, and I, I can help that out. Yeah, and it, it does seem like something you really enjoy, and it's something that's different from like early GameSpot. A lot of your time seemed to be kind of behind a camera or editing things together, and not really you know in front, not in front of people. But now, especially when you're on the West Coast, it got to a point where every single bombcast that came out, there was a NeoGAF thread that was just worried about whether or not if you were on it or not. Like, is Vinny confirmed for this episode of the Bombcast? Or if you missed a live stream, people are really bummed. How crazy has it been going from <laughs> editing and production to suddenly, I was at um, PAX East 2013 and I went to your panel and there's a line, which I was waiting there for two hours and people are clapping when you guys are going by. Like, is this still kind of surreal going from what you're doing before to suddenly, you know, hundreds or maybe even more than a thousand people in a room just waiting to hear you talk? Absolutely. It's nonsense. I mean, the fact that we're doing this is nonsense, right? Like, <laughs> the, like the, you reach out and we're like, hey, I'd like to talk to you. It's all crazy. I mean, I did not get into this to... uh to be a personality based whatever it is like uh, like uh <laughs> internet famous is even yeah. i think an exaggeration video game Whoa. community celebrity or some weird <laughs> totally. terminology like what, that whatever it is uh i love production uh i i love making things like i said before i love solving problems and i love um i love editing footage and uh making all of those things happen i love systems uh the part where uh you know, the internet changed at some point to latch on to people instead of latching on to products, uh, just kind of timed with what we were doing. You know, the, yeah. you, you don't, 
you don't search for gameplay or, or, or it's, you know, people don't type video games into Google anymore, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't, you're not looking for GameSpot circa 1999. Like, right now, if you go to Google, you type in, you know, Breath of the Wild, how to beat Shrine 87, very particular things, and you probably find 150 hits on it. So, uh, you need to, and we kind of talked about this when we were setting up the tone for Giant Bomb in general, was we're not going to put up raw gameplay. We're always going to have a commentary or an editorialized version of what this is. And that's kind of came out uh, that's, you know, with Brad and those guys, too, kind of driving the quick look stuff is where that came from. We're just not going to put up raw gameplay because that's just not a thing. We're going to put yeah. personality on everything. And by having a small team you just run out of voices at some point. So <laughs> that's kind of how I snuck on there. Um, and it just happened to time, I think with a lot of where all of this stuff was going, right. It was more personality driven. And uh, you know, to credit rich Gallup again, I think rich taught me that being positive uh, gets you further than going negative. And, you know, I think going real negative is a short term gain. You can get, uh, a lot of real good heat by tearing something down and, and going nuts on it. But I think that gets real tired over the uh, course of a career. And I've always tried to be happy to have this job and be happy and positive with our audience. Uh, even folks who disagree with me, I think it's important to try and find common ground and stay positive. Uh, and I, I would say that for the rest of giant bomb as well. I think, in general, they're a pretty positive bunch, even though it may <laughs> yes. seem like some some people are sour or cynical. Um, a lot of that comes from a place of of real passion, and I don't think I don't think anybody is truly um, what's the word I'm looking for soured on the whole thing. I, yeah. you know, I think I think there's a really good perspective. It's funny when I see stuff that. Um, you know, stuff comes up like, oh, Jeff is so cynical. And it's like, you know, Jeff has pretty much played every game ever made. Pretty close, <laughs> like, probably twice. Yeah, right. And it's like he has a very unique perspective. And, then, you know, a very similar thing similar thing could be said of, you know, Brad. And these are all just people who have just amazing perspectives on stuff. Uh, and as this is nowhere near the question you were asking, but now I'm <laughs> off on a tangent. I enjoy uh, the tangent. You're totally fine. Uh, as time cycles on and i do mean cycle in the very literal sense of the word as the, the big wheel spins back around uh people get on and off and you know people get on with resident evil 5 being the first game they've played you know at eight years old or nine years old yeah. and that to me is an amazing perspective versus like having been there when resident evil first came out so uh that when people disagree and and people kind of look at uh, what's happening out there and all sorts of language gets tossed around and frames the argument in terms of um, confirmation bias or people just want to uh, agree with people who like their stuff and disagree with people who don't like their stuff. I taking a step back from the actual vitriolic nature of it. I'm fascinated to see what draws people in. I just had this conversation with my wife about Zelda having been like, you know, I was there when the first Zelda came out, yeah. and for people who are coming into Zelda now at Breath of the Wild, what must that look like? It has like, to be insane, right? 
Hell yeah. Like, what is that? Like, do you just not even go back? Is it like when people remake movies from the 50s and 60s today and there's always the like my dad or somebody being like, well, it's not as good as the original one. This, you know, a remake or whatever. Like, you got to watch the original one. Uh, it's it's an amazing perspective, and I think having people that have that perspective, but also bringing in um, people who are younger who have like I, you know, I didn't grow up. I was almost too old for Pokemon, right? Yeah. Like I was at an age where Pokemon was like my little brother's thing, but that's a huge part of people's lives, and. Uh, bring people like that in and those people are now too old so like, it's crazy well because video games are now old enough where you do have those different generations and in criticism i think that's fascinating because for so long it always seemed like people are angry like oh there's a right score and a wrong score i'm like well my opinion on breath of the wild is to be different from jeff's who is you know playing every single zelda versus someone who's younger than me who maybe their first zelda was ocarina of time like there's these different levels to it now where it's fun to get that perspective. Like if you want that almost from a historian level knowledge person, like you can go to Jeff at Giant Bomb, but there's also people who are 22 who have really good thoughts and ideas about games who have not played every single game twice like Jeff has. Yeah. And, you know, I think for, for people like, you know, Brad and Jeff and and the, the kind of, and Alex, I'll, I'll group in there too, who have kind of been doing this critically for a long time, not even just playing. Yeah. But I've had to look at things with a critical eye. What's this new mechanic? What's this, you know, how are these graphics? How do I feel about this? What's my tilt score? Uh, <laughs> you know, can be very different from somebody who, like you said, like a 20-year-old who's kind of just getting into this that is just pulling from, I mean, that's all this is. It's pulling from your life experience and, and coalescing it into some kind of package that represents your thoughts to an audience, right? So you can't fake that. You You can't, you know, the things you don't know, you don't know. Uh, and I think that's great. And I think as Giant Bomb grows and moves forward, we have to incorporate uh, diverse opinions and different ideas to balance out the kind of, you know, older, cynical, crusty <laughs> thoughts. You know, like, oh, it's been done a million times before. Uh, and we need uh, people who are like, this is fresh and it pulls from these things you guys didn't even know. And there's this whole wave of culture that you guys missed out on because you were outside of it. You were, you know... I'm married and I have kids. I am not. I have to like check in with people to see what. Like, hey, what's this? Where did this meme come from? <laughs> what's this thing? It's probably going on? true. That's where the meme came from. Uh, yeah, right. And like, I you know those waves. I, I'm not surfing those waves anymore. I'm in a different <laughs> place. Uh, and you know, be it out of touch or or, or however you want to call it, it's important for me to try and and in doing this job to. Uh, you know, relate to what's going on here. And, but at the same time, I also have a little kid who's now getting into video games. And so what what's he going to do? And, like, mm -hmm. what's my daughter who's two years younger than him? Like, they can control – my son's playing, like, Rocket League all Saturday. Like, oh, really? He's, yeah, he's getting pretty good at it. How and, like, old is he now? He's going to be five uh, this oh, month. And like, and, like, he scores and he's doing fine, like – like that's kind of amazing to me he's at the point where he understands the mechanics of it can get through all the menus and like start a game up and like doesn't want to stop playing and uh as somebody who really remembers having my you know nes sticks taken away from me to go outside uh it's a weird thing as a parent to be like mm, <laughs> we need to take a break <laughs> like 
<laughs> but I hear you. Uh, it's really funny. Anyway, that went off in, in a place. Uh, it's totally but... fine. Well, it leads me perfectly into this next question. Do you and Jeff and Brad take time maybe like once a year, once a month or whatever to kind of look at how could we you know, keep up with the kids? How can we stay modern? How can we keep this thing? So you mentioned you don't want to just like have it fizzle out, but not just maintain the level you're at, but help it continue to grow. Because with Giant Bomb, you were early in on subscriptions. You were early in on, you know, Let's Play style quick look videos that, you know, you were doing that It felt like, again, like eight years ago. Uh, you have been good at kind of getting in on different trends in the industry before they even become trends, which I guess is probably maybe half foresight, half luck. Do you look at different like ways now where like we need to start doing this because I think this is the next step? Like, do you talk about how to alter your content so it's where it needs to be before the trend even hits? Oh, okay. So that is a tough question. So, and and you're right. I think in the beginning, a lot of things you we tried to steer it in a certain direction and then just happened to hit the winds blowing in that direction. So I think we did a lot of it was hard work and a, and a, a lot of it was luck. Like we just happened to, I think we kind of saw where it was. I think a lot of people did saw where mm-hmm. it was headed. And, you know, like I had said earlier, trying to put a personality bent on everything was kind of where we were trying to steer it. Do we, do we meet and have a, like what's cool with the kids? Uh, <laughs> you know, I hope there's uh, actually a meeting called that that you have like in your Google <laughs> calendar. You know, I no, we don't. But but um, I read. I I can only speak to what I do personally. Like you know, I do read through all for better or worse most of the comments and kind of look around the internet uh, for stuff related to Giant Bomb and kind of try and absorb through the filter of the internet uh, what's working and what's not working. Uh, I think Jeff and Brad and Alex and Dan and Jason um, all do the same thing as well. So they they kind of uh, – and that's where experience will get you is how much of it do you take seriously and what are the things that permeate this kind of filter you need to know what is an actual audience reaction and sentiment versus what is just immediate throwing up arms or, you know, being excited or displeased with something. Mm-hmm. We we also have, you know, it is a business, right? So we have to figure out how to make money. And the subscription stuff has always been predicated on uh, uh, trying to be as transparent and natural as possible. So that stuff, I can say, at least the stuff that I've been a part of has never been forced. It's something we've, if it's something we want to do the and uh feel justified putting it behind a paywall we usually don't do it because we think this is going to bring in a lot of people we bring it we do it because we think we'll enjoy it and other people will enjoy it with us yeah uh so so we're usually not trying to do stuff just for um um, bringing in subscribers i mean that is a goal obviously but we wouldn't do it if we weren't enjoying it so we have tried other initiatives like okay uh can we bring in revenue through youtube right can we like but I don't know if you've seen our YouTube channel. It's basically uh, at this point um, uh, parody with our site for the yeah. free stuff. Like we don't do YouTube exclusive stuff, and I'm not saying we never will. Uh, we we a don't have the scale to do that, and b 
I don't know YouTube at all. <laughs> like me neither. I, so like I go on YouTube and you know, that is a culture that has grown into its own thing and there are rules and there are um etiquettes and and uh editing styles on YouTube that uh I like I was kind of saying before of that is a generation or two after me. It's just it's not where I'm comfortable. So like we would need somebody else to kind of walk us through that. And we have talked about that stuff before and how should we make money off of YouTube? Is this a revenue stream? I I think in the end though, we've always come back to if we can get consumers of our uh, shenanigans to pay us directly, that is what we want. Like we like you pay me and I'll do what, you know, I think is cool and hopefully you do too. Or if you don't like it, don't pay us like the ad stuff is oh what a nightmare and yeah. you know <laughs> trying to force stuff onto youtube or trying to uh engage in social media whatever people are doing <laughs> like you know <laughs> like uh it's so funny to watch that whole drew thing explode uh and take off and knowing that we never tried to get that stuff to take It was off. such a weird thing. To, I was expecting him to be on Ellen suddenly and like ask <laughs> her asking him if he could just like you know, blink a couple of times. Like It was so weird. But people try very hard, right? There are a whole social media managers that have a very hard job of trying mm-hmm. to, and, and I'm not trying to knock them, but to engage people in those, uh, in those environments. And like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how I don't really have uh, a presence outside of like Twitter, right? Like yeah. I don't engage in those circles. Uh, I am very traditional when it comes to media, mostly because I think probably because I've been so involved in it, and I know, uh, like when I watch video, I watch it and I see the edits and the manipulation and the soundtracks and the <laughs> stuff that go on. So I. You know, I think I mentioned this somewhere else. Uh, I I try not to get any news through video because I think it's not my best form. I still read newspapers, right? So like that is, um, and so when I see stuff like in social media, boy, I just it's so fast and it goes so quickly, and you have to basically be tied in uh, to know what's going on. I check in with some of these other guys, and I know it sounds like a a crazy old man, but like (laughs) I just. I put my phone away for the weekend uh, and don't try not to check work email and tell people if you need me, you have to call me. Oh, because, that sounds amazing. Because it's just too much for me. Like I, if it's that important, you can reach out and call me if you need me. And I, you know, I will check in here and there if something's exploding. And I, I have that luxury because I also work with a lot of hardworking people that hopefully are taking care of stuff. <laughs> uh but like I can't be tapped in all the time. It would drive me nuts. I need to detach, and I think that is also something that makes Giant Bomb interesting. Is we all have lives outside that keep our uh, keep us sane, but also kind of interesting outside of video games. It can't be video games all the time. Yeah, that's probably for the best. You mentioned you don't really have uh, an internet presence other than like Twitter, but for you. How has the giant bomb community like? How has that affected your life? Because it's one of the coolest communities I've ever seen in terms of the forums, the comments, and everything. Of course, there's always the bad eggs, but the positivity and just the crazy dedication in terms of 
crazy fan arts and doing animated videos for you guys. Every time I post a podcast with someone giant bomb or giant bomb adjacent in the um, either Twitter or on the forums, it blows up like no other podcast has. I mean, for you, how awesome has it been to, from the start of this thing, constantly have this group of people who, you know, this is... Each video is an exciting thing for them. Each new podcast, they need to listen to it immediately. This is something that's such a big part of their lives. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing in that we get feedback, um, you know, uh, that is just <laughs> uh, very makes me very emotional. Like, yeah. I get a lot of stuff that comes in through different channels that are, you know, uh, somebody's had a from a bad day to a, a a death or or an illness that and they say hey you know you made me laugh or you know you gave me a good time and that and that stuff uh wipes away all of like the um you know what are we doing here like <laughs> you know what is going on and i get those i get those and i share them with everybody and uh it's amazing and, and like that's stuff that like who would have who would have ever guessed, right? That like you could do something and bring a little enjoyment into somebody's life. And that, and that's really, you know, I've told people this before. Uh, if I can get through this thing without ruining anybody's life, <laughs> like, without, <laughs> without hurting anybody, that's, that's my, that's my goal. And anything on top of that, like life is so hard and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just trying to get through it without stamping or, Stampeding over somebody, stepping on anybody, without anybody really making you their number one enemy, <laughs> like that's hard enough. Uh, and for me to be able to like look at that stuff and say we actually did more than that, we helped some people, uh, yeah. is great. It's a great feeling, uh, and and it really drives us and keeps us going. And you know, even even people that disagree, it's been an amazing platform for me personally to reach out and find out why they disagree i you know people talk about bubbles and, and kind of being in them and it's very true you can get locked up in your own bubble and uh for me i try i try to understand like where where are these people coming from that you know outside of people who just want to mouth off <laughs> which mm-hmm. is you know a lot on the internet people who generally just have different perspectives and I can reach out to those people because it's all consolidated in one place on our site, be it the comments or, or wherever it's coming in. And I have a direct line to reach out to folks. Uh, you know, I've called users before and talked to them and, you know, I get to talk to them in, at PAX and, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's odd because, you know, sometimes at PAX you, you really get people who are just generally super positive and very happy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes in comments you get very negative stuff. So you, you got to go out of your way a little bit to track down people. But most of the people I've talked to that have disagreed in comments are just great people. You know, maybe they, I communicated poorly and they misunderstood me or they communicated poorly. It usually comes down to once you're talking to somebody in person or one-on-one or outside of a public eye, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're humans. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, sometimes wires get crossed and, uh, it, rem- and again, it goes back to what I was saying, man, I'm just an old man, but like those interactions to me are so much more important. The one-on-ones, the phone calls, the like, um, just, Hey, I'm just going to email back and forth with you so much better than a comment thread where there's a lot of chest puffing and, you know, uh, performing for the crowd. Uh, and, and that stuff 
you know, I don't care how thick your skin is. Some of that stuff can ruin your day. Yeah. Um, and then going back in and, and finding the human behind that for me is, is very important. And also just in terms of like, oh, you know what? You do have a different perspective. I did miss something. You know, it's something with the Beast cast, I think, shows. You talked earlier about like what was the tonal difference between West and East. And I think the correction section is something that's very important to me. Yeah. You know, it's something that is, hey, we're not, we're not going to get this right all the time. Like there are people who know much more about this and like, I want your voice to be heard too. I mean, we are not infallible. So, uh, send in corrections and I would love to know when we got stuff wrong. Uh, and you know, I think <laughs> it just happens to be something that interests me. I'm not saying that they're not interested in being corrected on the West Coast, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's again, it's something that is I want to continue to learn. Uh, and again, wrap in one of your other questions: what makes this job interesting? It is just constantly learning uh, and yeah. problem solving and and getting uh, to new places uh, and. We've talked internally sometimes like, oh, I think you even brought up the analogy of like a band going out and, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's the band gets together and we're like, we're going to do this new thing. And they're like, no, do the persona endurance run. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, here we go. And it's, you know, they just want the same old thing. Uh, and I had a, um, oh, it must've been a producer back before I was at giant bomb who would tell me, uh, uh, give them what they want not what they think they want. Uh, and, you know, I think about that sometimes when we're, we're making stuff and what yeah. our guiding principles are. And it's, would you find this interesting? If Like, Dan, the thing you're doing, are, do you find it interesting? Yeah. All right, then let's do it. Because yeah. if you find it interesting, other people will probably find it interesting. But don't try and guess, you know, <laughs> uh, what somebody's going to find interesting because you're probably going to miss the mark. And that human element you brought up before in the comments when you're having a one-on-one conversation or maybe on the phone, it it is really massive and it makes you realize maybe the internet isn't as bad as you think it is. It becomes more cordial and I, I work for Tan Gentlemen, which made here they lie and it's a part of Sony Santa Monica where we, I'm a community manager and every email I got, whether it's someone happy or angry or a Reddit thread, if I would just like talk to them like a normal person, suddenly you realize like, oh, we can have real conversation even if we disagree on things and again the giant bomb community when i was i was at the the pax panel where ryan davis drank the breast milk um (laughs) and being in that audience and that experience with how into everything everyone was and talking to those people about it it was it was really cool and again the community you're however you've done it whether it's been organically or you fostered it it's been really awesome to see like just how cool everyone is in there uh and i don't want to take too much more of your time up um had one more question uh and sure. it's about the balance between written content and video for you guys because you mentioned austin kind of doing new stuff before patrick when he was doing that um but you don't do as many reviews which makes sense to me because quick looks have kind of taken that place where if someone like the again looking at the zelda quick look where dan's played 100 hours of this game he can for an hour and a half play in front of you guys you guys have all the questions normal readers would have when they're reading a review and he can actually just show you stuff in the game that's cool rather than try to describe it through words and then attaching screenshots. Uh, for you, do you kind of feel like Giant Bomb is going to continue to move away from written content just because it doesn't make sense with the tone of the site? Or do you still find people like Alex and Dan who have this traditional you know, writing reviews background who want to do stuff like that? And for them, that's still fun. I think I was listening to a Beastcast recently where someone asked a similar question over email about do you miss you know writing reviews and stuff like that? 
So do you, would you prefer having like a, a 90-10 split between video and writing, or is it just kind of whatever feels right at the time? Um, I think people need to express themselves the best way they can, use the to- their, their best tools. Like for Alex and Dan and Jeff and Brad, I think they are very good at setting their thoughts down on paper uh and and kind of getting something across that way when the time comes when they feel passionate enough to do that and i enjoy reading it there is they're just two separate beats you know yeah. a video review well let's say three let's say a video review a piece of text let's say four a video review <laughs> a piece of text a quick look and then a score right mm-hmm. so some people just see the score and that's all they want they just, they just want to know is it four stars or five stars uh, some people see the text and that to me, uh, I enjoy reading a review and yeah, I would be same. very sad if we got rid of them. Like I said before with a video review, I can manipulate that footage to make that game look like crap or I can manipulate that footage <laughs> to make that game look awesome. I can put a sad song underneath it to make you cry or I can put a jaunty little thing under it to make you smile. And so those you know, the reason we kind of moved away from video reviews was they take a lot of time. And a lot of that time is finding footage to match the point the person is, is uh, making in, mm-hmm. in the text, right? So you're just illustrating points that have been, you know, uh, cherry picked out from something. And, and the difference between that and a quick look is that the quick look is pretty much unedited and raw. And I think it is, is almost a better representation of what you might get if you jump into this game. Now, uh, that being said, a video review uh, will sum up more of a game. Yeah. Uh, and you're probably getting a little more of a person's overall feeling than you will get in a quick look. And usually quick looks are not done when somebody's beaten the game. But I think, uh, I think the text is probably the best representation of someone's thoughts on a game. I think uh, they have sit, taken the time to sit down. Usually they're done with the game at that point. Uh, they can go back and delete and edit to make exactly the point they want to make. It's not very collaborative except for peer editing or peer review. Uh, and if you want the purest uh, essence of what somebody thinks, I think that text is it and it would be a real tragedy to lose that from the site it's time consuming but uh i think it's still valuable now whether we take that fourth bit which is the score and throw that out a window <laughs> i don't know if i would be so sad about that i think i think scores uh scores can be silly and people uh put too much emphasis on them and i know this is not I'm not breaking new ground here by saying breaking that. news scores are silly yeah yeah, breaking news exactly, and things like Metacritic have made scores just ridiculous anyway. Uh, as you know, uh, too, too many things got to fix the scores that I think have muddied the waters. Yeah, where like it's bonuses like, oh, this- for certain developers suddenly are tied to scores. Yeah, there's that, and like the the language that is used around scoring has framed a lot of the conversations that happen. You know, I'm a pretty big. Uh, proponent that l- the language we use kind of sets the tone for the discussions we're going to have and like so people you know use like oh it's clickbait or you know uh mm-hmm. you gave it a low score because of this or you give it a high score because of that are just different permutations on the uh money hat or you know uh, you're biased for sony and like you know we've been around long enough to be 
accused of almost everything under <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, you're sun, currently right? biased for everyone, I think. Yeah, so uh so that stuff I, I feel like the score can kind of muddy up and and frame arguments in ways that are unfair to the general text. And uh sometimes people <laughs> say they read the text but like their <laughs> discussions in the comments are way off. And we see this with the beast cast and bomb cast too where sometimes people just want to vent and like they they come in with an agenda and they just want to and like again humans are humans and like people just want to come in and it's like if you heard i disagreed with something you want to come in there and just blast it out there without actually listening or taking the the greater picture as a whole uh and that happens in reviews as well and we we got a lot of feedback saying that uh the quick look was better for me to get a representation of the game and the quick look takes on average uh if you take prep time out of it it's the record time of the quick look and let's pad it out with uh, maybe 45 minutes on either end for exporting it or setup. Yeah. So let's say the whole thing in total takes like four hours on, on the outside uh, versus a video review, which can take, you know, days to oh put God. together and, yeah. and capture footage. Uh, and so uh, it becomes kind of a cost uh, analysis too of, can we get more out the door and serve the audience better and, uh, what is this cost in time versus just a quick look? But I love editing again and like putting together footage and that is cut well is something that, you know, I still would like to do. It's just we are a very small team. So, you know, when I started, we I think I promised we would get one video a week up or, you know, <laughs> maybe one and a half or two videos a week. And now, you know, anything less than um, three or four uh it feels like you know we've not done our job yeah i i and, think there should be a video in a video review for persona 5 that's like my one request <laughs> i think that's the one that'll take like a month to do but i <laughs> right. think it'll be worth it and you know that stuff just gets challenging in terms of so, so something like persona 5 uh i assume the save structure would be similar to persona 4 so you you'd have to capture stuff or you'd have to stagger your saves in different slots to make sure that you can capture the thing you're talking about and not just have a one end game save. And a lot of games actually moved into uh, a universal save where you don't pick save slots. Like games kind of went forward and were just like, no, you get like one slot. You know, like maybe you pick a profile and we're just going to save over this and auto save constantly. And yeah. uh, you're not going to be able to pick stuff. And that made it also very hard because now you're just stuck with these end game saves or fresh start saves. Uh, and when you're going to pluck footage for a video review, you know, a lot of that stuff is unusable because you don't have this middle of the game um, section that you want to use to illustrate all your points. You know, you yeah. don't want to show, you know, all the end game stuff. And if you show footage from the beginning of the game, people read that as you didn't even play it. Like, look at all this footage. Uh <laughs> Video is very manipulative. Did I mention that? Yeah, <laughs> a little video, bit. <laughs> uh, video is very, very manipulative. And like, don't, hey, anybody who's listening, never trust the video. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> and I, I don't know how much editing on this podcast you do, but don't trust this either. I'm not sure what I'm saying is coming out. I have a love and a respect <laughs> and a fear for media because I have done terrible things in my past with, <laughs> with media that, uh, and I see it happening more and more today where you can, man, you can just do it. Propaganda. You can do whatever you want. See, yeah, I'm, I'm going to edit this just so it sounds like you confirm there's going to be a Persona 5 endurance run. That's like see? the only thing I'm really going to do. 
I'm going to cut this part out because this is the first thing you're going to say on the podcast. <laughs> but. And, and it wouldn't even be that hard, you know? It wouldn't yeah. even be that hard. I always wondered what I would do uh, if I had to go on a show or something that I was afraid somebody would edit me out of context. And I, like one of the things I thought was like, oh, I need like a pin that has like a running timer on it, right? Like yeah. I need like on, on like my shirt or something like that. It just needs to have a clock that is running for continuity. So you can tell when somebody is like editing me and like taking stuff out. That's a good fix. Uh, I never thought about that. Y- yeah, because it's just one of those things where, you know, uh, you know, we live in an age of sound bites and, and uh, you know, you don't get heads and tails on stuff. And like, if you just roll out that clip a little longer, maybe you would have got it and got a little more <laughs> or, um, you know, you, you gotta, you're also looking at things that are like, Oh, this 45 second video that is cut very aggressively. Is that the end all be all, or is there accompanying text or, or another video or something else? Because if you just show that to somebody, you know, we can all look like doofuses and you know <laughs> generally we are doofuses well i promise i will only edit way. this so that there's no like inescapable skype pauses that's the only thing i would change. okay great i will not change your uh, message like, all my ums and ahs to cut out uh very i'm cleanly. actually gonna double those so you double um before every and I, I will get rid of all mine so i sound fantastic i'll say no likes no ums uh i've back when i first started um and i'm not gonna say i do this anymore but who knows <laughs> Uh, I would, uh, like during the hotspot days and stuff, I would tighten up gaps between when a joke was said to when people would respond. Oh, so it looked good. like it's it looked like people would say a joke and then immediately laugh after instead of having to process it for a, a beat or two. Uh, and the, you know, cause I, I don't know if you have this sense too, but time feels like it slows down sometimes when you're podcasting and you listen yes. back and like there's like a distortion that happens and uh i would just i would close all these silence silences in the podcast and make it just look like things were just rapid fire people just right on top of it with all the jokes and and uh you know it made it snappier it was a lot of work i actually cut out all the ums out of the hotspot when i first started too and that was a longer podcast so i still do stopped. i still do the joke thing i still do like the man i think that joke was good my guest didn't get it let's tighten this up a bit <laughs> so it sure does sound like it like man that was fucking hilarious so like then right. it really really hits and you're like oh cool just act i like try to like double up the laugh sound so it's even fun i don't do that part but down the line i might <laughs> just, just uh, add, but it's like, funny though right like track. it's it's a uh... It's the best version of reality sometimes. Like, I, I don't yeah. like to call it faking it. It's just the idealized version of that reality. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of professional wrestling. It's just dialed up. I hate wrestling, but that's the only thing I know about <laughs> it. I'm pretty sure it's dialed up to 11 uh, at all times. But, you know, going back to end this kind of talking about Giant Bomb, um, you know, I think what we pre- like to present to the audience is the best version of our reality. And, yeah. you know, I think anybody who comes behind the scenes sees that it's a bunch of people trying to work pretty hard uh to make it look like we're not working hard at all <laughs> you know yeah. to to make it look pretty flawless and easy and one of the greatest gifts i got was when i moved out here and we kind of started doing this thing out here was i really got to appreciate the talents of Brad and Jeff uh and even Ryan uh and Drew and 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 later Jason when you're separated from them and you realize where you begin and they end and, Oh, this was, 
this felt easy because they're so good. You know, they're mm-hmm. just, they're, it's, I used to say this about Ryan all the time. It was like, you can feel free to do whatever dumb stuff you want because he's a safety net. <laughs> he's he's not going to let it fall flat and hit the ground. He's going to be able to say something funny or pick it up or, or go with it. And, and, and that kind of confidence is fantastic, especially when you're just getting started to try new things. And uh, when I got out here and realized this is, this is really hard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is really hard. And Alex and I, um, you know, we're building a rapport and kind of figuring out each other. And, you know, same thing with Dan now trying to figure out like our timings and our, our, our how we work together. Uh, those guys out there are great and, and they're super fun to work with. And giant bomb is a side about people and none of this would happen without any of those core pieces. Like it's not one person at all. And, and everybody's contributed. And I think you can see that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that makes sense. And I think it's why it's so sad when somebody leaves because you lose what that person was in that site. But hopefully when you put somebody in, they add a whole new, um, a whole new, uh, I don't even know the word. Like a new it. element just... to what's going on. Like, yeah, it's an entirely new thing. Uh, yeah. Like, it, 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 it's, it's exciting actually for me. Like, again, it, I'm still bumped. Drew just left, but it's like what's the next person like what's the next person going to bring that changes up that chemistry that changes how things go because like you said everyone's contributing in a way where you can't hide that person that person has to be out there and what are they going to bring to it um and that's what really fascinates me uh so this is the honest last thing first off what where can people find you on twitter uh and second thing this is going up right after pax east so you guys would have already done the panel um, so okay. that should be up on the site soon. Beast in the East is happening. Other than your Twitter, is there anything else going up on Giant Bomb that you could talk about? Maybe a new endurance run or something like that that uh, people <laughs> should look forward to. Uh, people can find me on Twitter, and I hope this is right. Again, I am not a social <laughs> media expert, but I'm pretty sure it's at Vinny Caravella. Uh, I think it is. It's just my name uh, with Vinny, not Vincent. And as far as things going up on the site, uh, well, we've got, so we've got Beast in the East recurring every week and we're trying to figure out if we need to double up on that uh, (laughs) as we realize that Yakuza Zero might take us the rest of time to finish if we do it once a week. Uh, But it's just, it's again, it's a production problem of how can we fit in recording more of these two hour things in a week. Um, what else so we have uh this is the run where i think we're still looking for our next game for the run uh which that was a lot of fun to do uh yeah. where we played contra uh dan and i kind of chewed through that and that was great i had a lot of fun doing that Got a couple of other features that, <laughs> sadly one of the features i've been batting around internally uh relied on austin and drew when i first <laughs> conceived it uh and then once austin left i kind of i was like oh okay i'll i'll get dan in here and like i can rearrange these pieces okay so it'll be me dan and drew and now uh i gotta rearrange the pieces again uh because it's it's a little bit more of a complicated feature but um yeah so hopefully we'll see that we'll see the light of days someday (laughs) uh i'm very excited about that one uh it's something i've been trying to do for like a year and whatever it might just fall apart but it's something i've been been curious about Uh, there are no plans currently for a next endurance run Uh, okay and and by endurance run that is a daily video where we go through a game every day uh i mean we talk we talk internally about stuff every week um and the the thing that's fun about an endurance run is it has to happen every day five days a week uh and that 
in and of itself is the challenge. Like, yeah. not, forget the game. Like, trying to get those stacked and ready to go uh, is a challenge. And, uh, you know, again, coming back to production being a, a, a solving of problems, um, coordinating east and west is great and it's fun and, and they should be complementary to each other. But sometimes we wind up on these, like, um, it's like a... Uh, we've all played video games so imagine two wheels spinning slightly off speed so they match up like three times uh, uh every once in a while right so like you know one spinning and the other one's going so like sometimes we match up just in a way that's like oh man we've got nothing going up this week but next week a hundred things go up and then <laughs> yeah. like oh okay so we're recording so what happens is we wind up just having days where we're both recording a lot of stuff or their embargoes or, or something happens and nothing's getting posted because we're all recording or doing uh, back end work. But then the next week it all just dumps onto the site <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> Oh, okay, here comes everything. And then we have to, it slowly resets itself to where like, Oh, we're recording your posting and it'll get back. But then the, they line up again and it's like, oh, it's been like three days. We haven't put anything up. <laughs> uh, so it's fun. Like that stuff is really uh, challenging and fun and, trying to figure out how to solve those problems where it looks like stuff is going up all the time, but, um, you know, really we're a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of Google, Google calendar stuff, and then trying to figure out new features to fit into or replace old features or, you know, what do we do with UPF? How do we make this interesting? Or, um, you know, what, uh, what do we do with, why haven't features gotten off the ground yet? Or like, uh, you know, like to everyone's surprise maybe alex is still working on blight club like this feature that he has like <laughs> had in his mind for a while uh it just time moves very fast here and, yeah. and it's it still feels like i was in that whiskey media basement last year uh and you know just trying to figure out logistics and making sure stuff happens can be challenging as days kind of eat up like right now it's like almost one o'clock in the afternoon here yeah and, whoops like, <laughs> and well i'm just saying like time just goes really quickly and like i'm here today i've got a like today i've got to do a bunch of studio stuff which means i just gotta rewire a bunch of stuff and i got gear in and like when that happens like nothing gets recorded so we have to make sure people are prepping stuff and like th there's a lot that happens off camera that can be very hard to convey to the audience um in you know stuff breaks and like hopefully this recording is good and like you know it's not broken and like i have to figure out a lot of weird stuff in the studio and everybody kind of has to figure it out. Yeah. We, I'm not saying we waste time, but time slips away. There are a lot of games we check out that we don't record for one reason or another or that don't wind up working out for one reason or another. And that's just time gone. Yeah, uh, It was one of the reasons I wanted to do the no-go show little feature. I started, did like one of them, I think, or maybe two of them. I can't even remember. Uh, but then the way we kind of assign stuff change so that show that it makes sense but it was like hey i took time to prep this stuff we're not doing anything with it yeah well like maybe i can make a show out of it uh but then we we became a little bit more selective in in what we tried to look at to avoid those big waste of time well did that answer your question it totally did no you're okay. spinning a lot of plates so i totally and it's like two offices it's you know bringing new people and it's like it's hard to figure out what's going to go up when and stuff like that but i mean either way yeah yeah, like uh, new features are are fun to bring out. Um, it just winds up 
here here's a here's a one more thing about the internet like you can start something like upf and then you will never stop <laughs> like uh <laughs> like there are no seasons right it's not like you go dark for a while uh, for three to six months and then come back up with season two like you could do that but that's not a, the way a lot of this is structured so those things can be very taxing to every week for the rest of your life or the rest of the run of the site have to come up with something and uh the way i've tried to uh do features here is there are limited run things uh unless you know and we we're not doing it every week so like yeah. even stuff like play dates and stuff they are opportunistic instead of uh every regimented just for sanity uh it's just so people can take a day off or or go on vacation or, or do something because otherwise uh you know what would a week without upf look like it would look like you know it would look like there something failed yeah instead of somebody you know wanted to go on a vacation or take a week off uh so, so that stuff can be very hard and it's one again going back to the endurance run one of the reasons why those things are very special and unique is Try not to miss a day. Try to stack as many of those as possible to, even if there's a trip or something, to get those uh, up five days a week. Yeah. No, I mean, that has to be exhausting. And even like what you mentioned with UPF, where when you're doing it every single week, sometimes you can't even take a break. Like, we're taking a month off to maybe rethink it or change things up because it's every single week and you don't have time to rethink things. Like, this is working, keep going, keep going. So that yeah. has to be a different kind of exhausting instead of doing those limited run or one-off Uh Vinny, thank you so much for doing this. I have been <laughs> a premium member of Giant Bomb since the start. I think well, I've watched you. you guys play more video games than I've actually played video games since Giant Bomb has launched. <laughs> uh, and funny, stupid thing, you know, when I was in college for journalism, I remember my mom asking me, what do you actually want to do out of college? <laughs> my first response was, I want to work at Giant Bomb one day. Uh, oh, wow. Literally my response. So it's uh, it's super cool to, you know, have you and Alex and everyone on the entire crew has been super open when I ask of like, sure, I'll talk to you for an hour about bullshit. Let's go. Uh, so it's been super cool to talk to you guys. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing that PAX panel that's coming out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, uh, but I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, thanks, everybody who supported the site and listening out there. Uh, like we really do live and die by uh, fans and people who have given us tremendous support over the, what is almost, almost a decade now. Oh, man. Uh, and, and we wouldn't be here. You know, I mean, I'd be doing something else. It just wouldn't happen uh, yeah. without uh, you and, and everybody else who supported us. And uh, even to a, a lesser or greater extent, it's hard to say, the people who go out of their way to do stuff that's beyond the financial, you know, like you said before, posters and videos and, and you call me out for this podcast. It's, it's just fun. It makes life interesting. And I love seeing it. And, uh, people who, who give back like that are, are the most generous people in the world. And so th thanks to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes you feel like you're a part of that community. So again, it's super cool to do. Uh, so thanks again. And thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully to back in for the next episode of the 1099. Oh,